When you go to the doctor, what are the first things they check? Your blood pressure, heart rate, oxygen levels. Your vital signs. The things that give essential information about your overall health. Like the dashboard on your car, if one of these is going off, you know it's time to check in and see what's going on. What if our whole self had a dashboard? What if we had a way to check in on how our overall health is? What if we could check vital signs for our relationships, our mental health, even our souls? What are your vital signs saying? All right, are we alive? All right, well, some of us are. That's exciting. Hey, quick uh, check. Who brought one of these this week? Come on, everybody. Way to go. I'm proud of you. You're rule followers. Those of you that aren't. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, if you didn't bring a Bible this week, a physical Bible, we've got some in the back. If you don't have one and you'd like one, just let us know. After the service, we'll get you one. What we want you to do is just have something in that space, this thing we're going to talk about tonight, that you can keep uh, track of. You can start maybe engaging with outside of uh, just maybe on Tuesday nights. And today, one of my goals is to dive into that with you guys a little bit. Um, I just want to say uh, we as a team sat after last Tuesday night. And what was so moving to our hearts was just the alignment of your hearts. Does that make sense? Uh, because you can, as leaders and, and staff, I've been on church staffs for a long time, we, we constantly are praying into what we think God is doing, and yet there's still a, a little bit of a step of faith, right? A step of how do we feel about this? Do we think this is what God's calling us to do? And, and there are parts that are always going to be moving and shaping because God is moving and shaping. And I, I do believe after what we just listened to in that last song, I believe that tonight God wants to remind some of you that even when you don't feel it, God is moving on your behalf. Even when you don't sense it, he's doing something on your behalf. And so tonight we're going to do that. For those of you who are new with us, my name's Tyler. I'm excited to be with you tonight. Next week, uh, Chris Bacon is going to continue the series that we're starting tonight called Vital Signs. And uh, what vital signs are is just a way for us to, in a sense, check in with how we're doing. Another way to look at it, anybody, I mean, most of you hopefully have cars, right? When that little tire sensor comes on or the check engine light comes on, what do you do? You get nervous, don't you? Some of you don't even notice it for months. That's a different issue that we can talk about on another day. I grew up with a dad as a mechanic, so any little sound or vibration or dashboard light went off, I knew what it was and I was going to get it fixed. Uh, my wife's car has four tire sensors that are currently not working, but we know the tires have air in them because they keep spinning. If you're new with us tonight uh, or you were with us last week, one of the things that we want to encourage you is like if you like something you hear and it resonates, go, hey, amen, that's cool, way to go, Tyler, you're the best. No, you have to say that, but if, if there's something that kind of hits you a little, you're, you're okay to go, ooh. But just don't be afraid to let your body or your mind or your heart respond to the things that God might be saying to you. Is that cool? And I think we do that. We might even engage in a way that's unique tonight. So to remind some of you as we kick off this series called Vital Signs, uh, here's the definition we talked about last week of vital signs. It's the most overt and critically important indicators of health at this current moment. They don't say everything. But they can be relied upon to tell the most critically important things. So it's not like our vital signs when you get your blood pressure checked or these different things. That's the only way we know if you're healthy. Does that make sense? But it is an indicator for us. 
And every one of us have these moments in our lives, these little indicators in our lives, when you recognize, you know, I'm probably not doing great. For some of us, we're exhausted a lot. For some of us, we have these moments, uh, you know, I've, I've got two kids, and when I get real short with them a lot, I recognize something's going on in here that's not great because I'm not able to give in the way as a dad I, I want to give. Same thing in my marriage. My wife and I have been married for 22 years, which is freaking amazing because if you met me, there's no way you could live with me for 22 years. This is like God stuff. And by the way, in a few weeks when I talk about relationships, I'll give you a little insight. Guys, specifically, because I broke up with her twice. That's right, twice. Still can't tell you why, but we'll get into that at some point. Because we're all imperfect people just trying to solve this thing, right? But as we talk tonight and over the next six weeks, we're going to talk specifically about wholeness. We decided to jump into this series because it's the beginning of the year. How many of you are crushing your New Year's resolutions? Anybody? <laughs> Man, this is sad. Come on, team. We can do this. We're in this together. I want to show you mine. So for the month of January... My goal here, you can't see it super close, you don't need to, I'll explain it to you. This was my goal, which is a workout four times a week, which would be, a, you know, what, more than there's X's on here. <laughs> I haven't hit my goals, but I don't stop making goals because I haven't achieved them. And tonight what we're going to talk about is the fact that we don't stop fighting for what's ideal. We don't stop fighting for what we want. We don't stop fighting for the things of God because we haven't hit it every time. Or, even harder for us to realize, because he hasn't shown up every time the way you think he should show up. That's the way it happens a lot, right? We set out these goals and we go, God, come on and join in the party that I've already planned for you. <laughs> do we do that? It's like the reverse engineering. Hey, God, I've got these ideas and I really like her. So if you just want to bless this relationship, I'm in. Just come on in and show up. You feel that, right? Hey, God, I haven't done all my work at school, but please make the test easy. <laughs> you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. We do this backwards sometimes. And we go, hey, God, bless the thing that I've already got in my mind. And I'm not saying that God isn't going to already speak to you and you do some stuff. What I'm saying is, what if we get the cart in the right place with the horse? What if we put the horse first? And I'm not calling God horse. I'm just saying that metaphor should carry over with us a little bit. So for the next six weeks, we're going to talk about our vital signs. And we want to make it sticky. We want to make it something that every week right now you can sit on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday morning after the table and you can kind of take a little bit of a dashboard on how you're doing. And so we came up with this uh, simple way to say it. You're going to be blown away with our creativity, but we're going to call them our vitals. See what we did there, guys? That's right. We are sharp. Vitals. Tonight we're going to talk about vitality and what that looks like. And tonight, specifically, we believe vitality comes from a strong spiritual health. So tonight we're going to talk about spiritual formation. Next week, Pastor Chris Bacon is going to talk about integration. Our emotions need to be healthy and integrated for us to have a very strong whole self. The third week, we're going to, I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about uh, relationships and what that looks like in our time. It'll be around Valentine's. We'll talk a little bit about Dating relationships, but specifically just relationships in general. And talk about how transparency plays in that. We're going to talk about alignment when it comes to um, our mental health. For those of you who don't know me very much, uh, I have a nonprofit. As a matter of fact, I'd love your prayers next week. 
I started a nonprofit about four years ago uh, because I lost three of my really good pastor friends uh, took their lives by suicide. Pastors at significant churches. And the, the emotional and mental weight that they walked through uh, took them to some places that I pray none of us ever have to go to. So we started a nonprofit with a buddy of mine, and we take pastors on a 12-month journey. As a matter of fact, Jarian's been a part of a worship leader group that we have. And, and one little life lesson for those of you that are younger, which all of you are than younger than me, if you're going to build something, do the thing you'd want to be a part of. So in a few weeks, I go snowmobiling at Jackson Hole. See how that works? So we take them on these trips to get to know each other and have a good time because we care about their mental health. Because if your mental health isn't good, the rest of it kind of plays a little funny, right? Because we're trying to keep our friends in the game. L stands for longevity, which is going to be our physical self. How do we t- why does it matter? I, I, I don't like talking about this. That's why Chris is going to talk about it. <laughs> because when you talk about things, you get held accountable to things, right? I don't want to do that one. That's you, Chris. And clearly his biceps are bigger than mine. But guys, I'm telling you, you're going to sit here and you go, Tyler, I don't need to talk about it. That's like long-term stuff. Darn right it's long-term stuff. But we keep sacrificing long-term for short-term decisions we're making today. And the McDonald's I had for dinner is an example. <laughs> and last but not least, security. If we don't take care of our finances now, if you don't learn good behavior now, you at 30, at 35, at 45 are going to be so deep in a hole financially, you can't do what God needs you to do. So picking those, and I'm telling you, as a guy who doesn't like discipline, I don't like to be told that stuff, this matters today. And that's what our series is going to be about. We want to give you some new year, new foundational things to lean into. Does that sound like a good plan? If it doesn't, too bad. That's <laughs> what we're doing, okay? So I want to, uh, I want to talk about this specifically I mentioned this last week. Prevention is way less expensive than having to fix it after we go off the rails. I talked about the fact that insurance companies cover 100% of preventative care, right? So if you go to the dentist and you have insurance, they pay 100%. You might have to pay a copay, but for the most part, they pay 100%. Why? Because if your teeth are taken care of and maintained, guess what? They don't fall out. But if they fall out, it costs you a lot more money, doesn't it? So if we make poor financial decisions right now, short-term decisions, yeah, I got this credit card because I want this thing, and uh, I got it, and wow, that was weird. That's not as fulfilling as I thought. And next thing you know, you got another one because you got to pay that one off, and you're transferring the balance over because your your month-to-month isn't covering it. And weird, when you get a certain age, your parents don't give you the money that you used to have. Some of you are like, I hate you right now. It's okay. Welcome to life. We have to step into these spaces. But I promise you, friends, if at this stage of your life you can lean in and trust that wisdom matters and listening to somebody maybe a season ahead who's got hurt in a lot of these spaces because he didn't take care of himself in the right ways and other people that are going to speak into your lives and go, this stuff matters. You guys were living in an epidemic of isolation and loneliness. There was an 80-page report from the uh, Surgeon General, not a, not a Christian thing, the full-on Surgeon General of the United States that said this is the most isolated and lonely our country has ever been. And the number of people I know my age or older have no close friends. So it's a whole thing. But friendships are hard when we're not mentally okay. Friendships are hard when we struggle relationally because of something that happened in our past. 
So as we dive into all these things, I want to start painting a picture because some of you are going, yeah, but I'm only 25. Why does this matter? Because it matters. Because God gets honored when we honor him in the way we do things. You guys with me? So tonight we're going to start with the foundation. Now here's the paradox of faith. The paradox of faith is most people go, I don't want to follow Jesus because there's a whole bunch of rules and regulations that come with that, right? I would rather have fun. The paradox is it's more fun. And I say that and you're going, you're a cheesy Christian dude. I get it. It's truth. The paradox of our faith is faith actually enhances everything we do. And yeah, there might be an opportunity to go do that thing and take the short-term decision. And is God really going to be mad at me? No. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer always talks about cheap grace. When you go and sin or do something outside of the the plans maybe God has for you, the best plans he has for you, because you know he's going to forgive you, that's called cheap grace. Right? That's not the kind of life we want to live. So, As we talk about our spiritual lives, we're going to talk about it through the words of vitality. So I want to give you a definition of vitality. Here's what it means. Vitality is the power of giving continuance of life present in all living things. So in other words, vitality is life. Jesus talked in John 10.10, life and life to the what? Fullest, right? Anybody in here want to have that kind of life? I do. But man, did I make some short-term decisions that have affected my ability to have that full, free, abundant life. And so spiritually, we got to lean into this. So here's here's the main thing I want you to hear tonight, but i got a lot more to say. So I'm going to come back around it a bunch of times. Our belief informs our behavior. Right? Our belief informs our behavior. If you don't believe me, I'm going to give you a couple ideas, a couple reminders of this. I believe that if you're late, you stink. I grew up with it, not exactly that phrasing, but I grew up with a dad who was so, we lived in Atlanta, he was so afraid of being late to something. I mean, we literally would help people put the flowers out at their weddings because we were there so stinking early because he's afraid that traffic's going to show up and it's going to mess us up. Over my, as I've gotten older, here's my belief when it comes to time is that if I'm late, it affects the people that I'm meeting with and that to me is disrespectful. So some of you are like, dude, this is no, we're not going there. We might go there. I'm just saying our belief determines our behavior. It informs our behavior, doesn't it? If I believed I could fly and I jumped off of this thing, it's not going to go so well. So sometimes our beliefs can be wrong. But our beliefs inform our behavior. I grew up with a massive scarcity mindset financially. Massive. I didn't, if you were to tell me God's an abundant God, I would say, no, he's not when it comes to the area of finances. Because my freshman year at the University of Georgia, I don't remember if I said this last week. Go, oh, where was that? Go dogs. I'm with you. You want to come sit up here with me? Come on. <laughs> this was not a go dogs moment, but I appreciate that. <laughs> Actually, every moment it's a go dogs moment. My freshman year at the University of Georgia, grew up low middle class at best, and my parents went through bankruptcy before it was ever even really a pretty common thing. And so what I got to experience as an 18-year-old was a repo man coming to my dorm parking lot and taking my car. That's something, huh? 
But my belief because of those moments and what I grew up in, which was, if it's not in my hands, it's not real because I'm tired of people promising me things that I don't get. That's what I grew up in. So a scarcity mindset became my belief system, which then informed my behavior. When I got married, I'm going, no, no. I mean, I remember times where she was like, my wife was like, oh, yeah, but your parents said they're going to do this. I was like, no, 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 no. My behavior started going. I adjusted because I was tired of being hurt, right? Some of you have had that story in your life, and you're going, does God really have an abundant financial situation for me? I don't know, but I believe in abundant God, so yeah, maybe. But if you choose to always believe scarcity, you're going to get scarcity. Another example would be, um, if you don't believe, I mentioned this before, I'm halfway through a doctoral program, a PhD right now, which I am such a good student, this is just like perfect for me. That's a full-on sarcastic joke. I have to realize you don't know me well enough yet and know that 90% of what I say is sarcastic, so I'm trying to not do that all the time. If you would have told 18-year-old Tyler that he was going to get a doctorate and has written two leadership books, I would have told you you're the craziest human being I've ever met in my life right? Because what was in front of me, what I could see, touch, and was tangible was in no way shaping up to be that. And yet, I kept following God's random steps with obedience. And my belief and trust in God allowed doors to open that you cannot imagine. And even along the way, I made fun of God for doing it. Because I still go, why would you do that for me, God? Because my belief system was informing it. Now, here's the, this is going to touch a little ho- close to home for some of you. Other people's beliefs about you have informed a lot of your behavior. Some of you were told something in high school that you're still working out today. I'll never forget. I was working at a church. I, was, I told them, I said, I want to I be one of the campus pastors. And they were like, uh, okay, cool. We want you to take this entrepreneurial test. I was like, awesome. And I took it. And guess how well I did? I think I might have got zero. I don't know if you can get a zero on entrepreneurial test, but I failed it miserably. And you guys, I promise you, for the next 15 years of my life, I believed I was not entrepreneurial because of what other people said became my behavior and my belief. And now I've started a nonprofit that's probably a million dollars a year in revenue. I've got seven clients that I work with on a regular basis. God has given me the opportunity to do amazing things that if I believed for the rest of my life what they said about me and not what God has for me, my behavior would never follow along. Does that make sense? So you guys, I'm telling you, some of you are stuck right now, even in your faith journey because of what somebody else has said about you. And what tonight we want to say is, what does God say about you? Because if we're going to anchor our beliefs and let that dictate our behavior and inform our behavior, can we please put our beliefs in the right place? That's the heartbeat for tonight. And tonight, we're going to specifically talk about this concept of spiritual formation. That's a new word for some of you. It's actually a fairly new word for evangelicals or Protestant churches because it, it kind of has Anglican roots. It has roots in the Catholic church, the Anglican church, some of the high churches that you've experienced or seen. And what it really is, is the understanding that it's a journey that we're on. We are each, each one of us have a spiritual formation journey we get to go on. Every day, you get to choose, am I going to go on this journey or not? I love, I've been reading, um, and I'm going to quote this one or two times, but my friend John Mark Comer has a new book out called Practicing the Way. We're going to talk about this a little bit tonight. But if you were to ask me, give me a book right now that would help me in this specific night, 
talk more about spiritual formation, this is the one I would encourage you to read, okay? And I'm going to read a little bit about it here in a minute. But what I've learned as we look at spiritual formation is if you're unintentional with your spiritual formation, it will have unintentional consequences. Uh, Dave Ramsey, you guys know who Dave Ramsey is, talks about money all the time. His whole point is a budget is just telling your money where it's going to go. If you, a bu- uh, excuse me, money is going to go somewhere, either you choose or it's going to choose. And when it chooses, what happens? It's probably not good, right? So all we're trying to say is what if we intentionally grow ourselves spiritually? Here's um, a quote from a lady. Uh, uh, she is... Um, I would say one of the four, four leaders, one of the top leaders, thought leaders specifically in spiritual formation right now. Uh, Ruth Haley Barton is an incredible, uh, she's got an awesome podcast out. Listen, to this is her definition of spiritual formation as we talk about it tonight. It's a process of being conformed in the image of Christ for the glory of God, for the abundance of our own lives, and this is my favorite part, for the sake of who? Others. Now, when I started talking about spiritual formation, who were you thinking about? Yourself, right? And that is a part of it. But what she's saying is it actually is for us and for others. Because her belief is that a transforming person actually glorifies God. When we're transforming in the image and likeness of God, we are glorifying Him. And therefore, it's better for others. You guys connecting that? I know it's late, you're probably tired. You'll go back one slide, if you would. A process of being conformed for God's glory. And I love this. Not just so that we have an okay existence, but for the abundance of our own lives. So when we talk about how it feels like sometimes the Jesus way can constrain us and put us in a box, I don't believe that. I actually believe what it does is it enhances our lives beyond measure, beyond belief. And when you walk through the, uh, a dark, dark season and you're able to do it with hope, you'll recognize this. And when you walk through a relationship that went and got shattered, and yet you're still okay coming out on the other side, you'll recognize this. And when you start realizing that God has stuff for you when we do the things uh, to be more like him, you'll recognize this. There's something, isn't there something about people who are growing and changing towards God that's kind of attractive? And I'm not saying like in a romantic way, I just want to be around people like that. And I've met a few of you, and, and I'm around people like that. And there's people that work here that just move me because their passion to be like Jesus moves me. It's just different than what we see around us. So one, one comment that John Mark says is this, and then we're going to get into the scripture. For those of us who desire to follow Jesus... Here's the reality we must turn and face. You guys with me? If we're not being intentionally formed by Jesus himself, then it's highly likely we are being unintentionally formed by someone or something else. Have you ever had that night where you go to bed and all you've looked at for the last two hours is social media and you're going, why do I feel like crap? Because you've been looking at crap. Why do I feel down about myself and what I look like and how I feel? Because you've been watching highlight reels of other people's stories that aren't even their real life. And you guys, I know this is what you grew up in. And for us, a little season ahead where we didn't even have a real cell phone for most of our lives. God, I'm old. I know. I'm sorry. 
We had to build our foundation on relationships and face-to-face. The number of young leaders I know that cannot even get on the phone and talk to someone is real. But you guys, you set yourself apart when you build your foundation on something else. You set yourself apart when you walk through things because you're following and formed by Jesus, not the things you're watching, not the things you've been looking at, the things that somebody else said about you. Instead, you let it be Jesus. And again, our belief informs our behavior. Say that with me. Our belief informs our behavior. I want you to remember that because we're going to read a passage, if you will. Those of you that have it, fantastic. Those of you who have not, we're going to have it still on the screen for you. But Matthew 13, let's flip over there for a second. Matthew 13, you've heard this passage before. We're going to talk a little bit more in depth about it tonight. So I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to read verses uh, 1 through 9 first. And then we're going to go a little bit more in depth with this for just a few minutes. So Matthew 13 says this, That same day Jesus went out of the house. And he sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered around him. So he got into a boat, and he sat down. And while the whole crowd stood on the beach, he told them many parables or stories or illustrations, saying, a sower went out to sow. In other words, a farmer is going to farm. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Then other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no roots, they withered away. And other seeds fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And he who has ears, let them hear. How many of you have heard this story before? Yeah, it's, it's, the para, it's the story, it's the principle of you reap what you sow, right? And what Jesus is telling all these people is, hey, you're going to hear some things. And there's going to be truth that gets thrown out there sometimes. But where it lands actually really matters. How many of you have heard something, uh, let's say, that you probably even heard three years ago from your parents or from somebody else, and, and it just hits different when you hear it this time around, right? Has anybody had that happen? All of a sudden, you know, so, a friend says, hey, She's not real nice to you. You're like, yeah, my parents say that. Wait. Hey, make sure you pay your taxes. Yeah, somebody else told me that once. But sometimes when you hear it, you're in a different position to receive it, right? But you guys, if you're here tonight, the fact that you're even here tonight tells me that at some point you've probably heard something about this Jesus guy. And the question is, when you heard some of these truths, when you heard some of these beliefs, Where did it fall? What kind of soil did it land in? And you know what? This is one of my favorite reasons I love this passage. It's one of the few times that Jesus goes, hey, I'm going to tell you a parable. And then what does he do just a few verses later? He explains it. That doesn't happen a whole lot, does it? So instead of the disciples having to figure it out, he says, you know what? I'm going to tell you what I mean by this. So as we do this, I'm going to talk you through these different specific kinds of of soil that we're looking at, right? Right? So here's what he says, Matthew 13, verses 18. We skip down. This is what Jesus says. Hear the parable of the sower. So he explains it. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom or truth of God or about Jesus and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. 
This is what was sown along the path. So this is some Bermuda grass seed here, right? Imagine that it fell with nothing in there. Fell on the path. Felt on concrete. How much uh, growth are we going to get here? None. Zero. What's going to happen is some bird's going to come eat this thing. That's what it feels like when you don't understand. Then he goes on to say this. Oh, that one's heavy. Bacon, you should have done this one. He says, as what was sown on the rocky ground. This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it. I'm in. With joy, yet has no root in himself. Maybe endures for a little while. And when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So again, we got some seed and it, it lands. And even, even in rocks, quite often, right? Even in rocks, there's usually some soil in between there. So occasionally that seed's going to land a little bit of soil and it's going to spring up real fast. But then... When things don't go well, what's going to happen to that? It's going to burn up. There's no way it's going to last. There's no way it's going to last. But you guys, we live like this sometimes, don't we? You'll hear something tonight that you're going, oh, that movement, I'm in. And then somebody tomorrow is going to say something different. And you're going to turn your back on that very thing you were moved by. And what I'm trying to communicate to you tonight, and what I believe Jesus was saying to this, is guys, we have to believe in the right things. And there are some truths that have been around for 2,000 years based on someone who predicted their death and did it and was raised from the dead. That's the kind of belief I want to put myself in, that I want to anchor myself to. My old pastor used to say, if you can predict your death and uh, resurrection and do it, I'll listen to you too. But the seed that falls on Rocky, you might even be moved. This might even be a week-long journey. But Jesus is saying, when the world says something different to you, it's going to spring up, you're excited, and then tomorrow you're going to forget. Third one is this. He says, as for the uh, seed that was sown among the thorns, this is someone, maybe it's some of us, who hears the word, and carries, a, uh, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches will choke the word. And it proves to be unfruitful. Can you guys see all the? That's good soil under there, isn't it? So here's what happens. If I throw this, this seed in here, it actually, because it's small, it's going to go through those. Some of this is going to land in good soil. Some of this is going to change behavior. Some of this is going to give us a little bit of hope. But what happens when those start growing up? There's nowhere for it to grow. And actually, some of these will come up through here. And they're planted down the good. But most of it doesn't even make it. And you guys, I'm telling you right now, this is probably most of the church. This is a lot of our friends. You've been around people who, who even maybe pulled you towards Jesus, and you're like, man, they were amazing. And next week, you're like, well, where'd they go? Because we live in a day and age, I don't know if you know this, but you're not in just a flesh and blood, uh, blood fight. You're in a spiritual fight. There's stuff happening that you don't see that could come and just completely throw you off guard. And we got to fight against these things. Uh, there's a worship leader named Brooke Lidgertwood. She used to be Brooke Frazier. She was part of Hillsong. She's ridiculous. If you ever watch Brooke lead worship, she fights. You ever, anybody ever experienced that? 
when that girl gets on stage and she's leading worship, she is not singing. She's fighting on your behalf. That's the kind of stuff that this group is going to be all about. We're going to fight on your behalf, and we're going to fight on each other's behalf, spiritually. And then he says, and then there's the good soil. Everybody know what that looks like? Man, that looks different, doesn't it? And then when you go and all of a sudden you get some seed in there, that looks like it's probably got a better chance, doesn't it? Because this isn't rocket science, and I actually met a rocket scientist yesterday, so I've always gone, man, isn't that cool you get to go, I am a rocket scientist. Anyway, <laughs> whole other story. You know what I'm talking about. Somebody's like, it's not brain surgery, and a brain surgeon goes, I do that. I'm sorry, I got distracted. Uh, the seed fell on the wrong soil in that scenario. You guys, what does it look like if we had a room full of us that the seed fell on good soil? That the seed kind of did something and you were like, I don't even know all the answers yet, but I'm going to trust this thing. And I'm going to kind of go all in on it. And some of your all in right now is just taking a step. Some of your all in was walking through that door tonight. And I want to say thank you. Because sometimes our spiritual act of worship is showing up, right? Some of you are going, I don't want to go tonight. There's a lot of other things I'd, I'd rather do. i got to run some fort. I'm just kidding. Is that how you say it? I just had to try it. No, sorry. All right. Sorry. We're going to make it. Here's what I believe. Faith is a journey. Here it comes. Faith is a journey. You get to choose what you believe. Okay? You get to decide, am I going to be this kind of soil? And we're going to talk over the next few weeks about what makes this kind of soil. What do we have to do so that this is what's happening in our lives? But the very first part of this, if you never choose to believe in Jesus and what he's done in your life, you never are going to have good soil. That's number one. That's the central piece of this. And tonight, if that's you and you're going, I don't think I know, please, 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 as we lean into some time together, please come talk to us. Pray with us. You get to choose this. So how we create this good soil. This is where John Mark's book is going to give us a very simple action step so that we as a group can grow in this way. And it's three specific things. This is what we're going to do to be good soil so that the seed lands on us and it changes the world. First thing is this. We're going to be with Jesus. What John Mark talks about in this entire book is you can't be discipled by a pastor. There's only one that you can be discipled by, and that's Jesus. So you can come to the table, and you can hope that Chris or I or whoever's speaking or Abigail on the worship team is going to say something that moves you. And we're going to do that. We talked about this last week. We're going to devote you. We're going to challenge you. We're going to push you. But it is not my responsibility for you to have time with Jesus. That's yours. So that's why we want you to bring your Bible. Go spend time with him. Go read a little bit and see what that looks like. Because here's what happens. When you hang out with good people, you tend to kind of start acting like good people. When you hang out with Jesus, it changes us. Now, what we want to be a part of is a space where you meet Jesus on a regular basis, that he's here with us. Do you feel like he's here with us tonight? The Waymaker is here with us. And some of you are going, man, I don't know what that feels like. I don't know what I'm feeling. You're feeling the fact that there's a Holy Spirit that's going, hey, I'm speaking to you. I know you think you're speaking to the people around you. I'm talking to you. I got something for you tonight. Some of you are going, I came by myself. I don't know what's happening. God has something for you tonight. The second thing we're going to do, 
We're going to be with Jesus, and we're going to become like him. We're going to become like him. Uh, I'm not sure how far we're going to get in this series when it comes to spiritual disciplines, but that's something we're going to start talking about on a regular basis. Prayer, fasting. How many of you loved a good fast? (laughs) All right, way to go. I expected no one to raise their hands. Fasting's hard, but I love that because fasting quite often changes who we are. But it's a very spiritual practice. How many of you love to serve other people? That's a spiritual practice. Prayer and worship and fighting spiritually. These are spiritual practices that have been going on for years and years and years. And the last piece is once we be with him, we become like him, we're going to do as he did. And we're going to figure out what all those things look like. That's your three simple steps for creating good soil. For being the kind of person that when you hear something on a Tuesday night, when you hear something on a Sunday when we're all hanging out, when you're do whatever the things are with your friends, that the, the truth bombs, the things that get said that are of God start taking root in your heart and in your life. Last quote from John Mark. This is what he said about this. Transformation is possible. Our spiritual foundation, our Our wholeness starts with spiritual wholeness and health. It's possible if we are willing to arrange our lives around the practices, rhythms, and truths that Jesus himself did, which will open our lives to God's power to change. We have to root ourselves in the ways that he did. There is one Jesus, and there is one apprentice or there's one, excuse me, one teacher that you can apprentice under that will change everything. Your belief will inform your behavior. And my encouragement, friends, is that our belief in Jesus is the only way to have that abundant, full, amazing life. It is so much better on this side of Jesus. I believe that with all my heart. So how we, what do we do with this? You're like, Tyler, that's a lot of words. I'm good at a lot of words, all right? It's one of my gifts. We have to be the kind of people that can see a longer play here. Jesus teaches that like crazy. But what if, just imagine this, you guys, maybe just imagine a community of young adults called The Table in Orlando that was willing to arrange their lives around Worship around Jesus, around knowing and believing what this thing says about our lives. And not just banking on the faith of your parents, or not just banking on that decision you made seven years ago at fall retreat, just because you memorized history and made a hundred on the test does not make you a historian. But many of us believe just because I've heard it means I'm probably good, right? And what I'm saying to you tonight, it's not good enough just to hear. It's what Jesus said in Matthew 13. It's not enough just to hear. But it's got to land and it's got to be part so they can take root and grow. And so one of the ways the church for the last 2,000 years since Jesus has been able to remind itself what it believes is through creeds. You guys have heard creeds, not the band creed or the movie creed. Any other creeds you're thinking about? Yeah, I know you got excited about that. 
but creeds to be able to say, this is what we believe. And so in 325 AD, the Nicene Creed was created because you had a a massive amount of believers that were dispersed and all trying to figure it out. And what they were saying is, hey guys, if we could all just say the same thing on a regular basis, maybe, just maybe we can walk through this persecution. Maybe we can walk through what we're dealing with. Maybe, maybe we can stay together and glorify God. So I want to read to you what the Nicene Creed said. And this was written 325 AD. And for the last 2,000 years or 1,800 years, the church has proclaimed this is what we believe. And then in a second, we're going to sing a song that Hillsong did called This, is, uh, this I Believe. Because here's what I want to encourage you. You need to start wrapping these truths so deep in your spirit that they don't go away. That when something happens and the storms come, you're not trying to find them. They're right there in your heart. And some of the best ways to do that is music, right? Here's what's crazy. You might not remember what time you were supposed to be here, but you can sing that song that you learned in sixth grade. That's me, at least. My wife's like, we're listening to songs. She's like, Did you, do you know the lyrics to this song that you're playing for our kids? I'm like, well, I skated to it. I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> Nothing wrong with young MC. Eminem, what? No, just kidding. <laughs> Here's what believers said together for the last 15, 1600 years. It's called the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and all that is seen and unseen. Maybe just close your eyes as you listen to these words. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of being one, of one being with the Father. Through him, all things were made for us men and for our salvation. He came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. He became incarnate of the Virgin Mary and was made man. For the sake, for our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end because we believe. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We, as the church, believe. And one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. And for thousands of years, Christians rallied around these beliefs. And church tonight, what does it look like for the table to be a significant movement of God? Significant movements of God believe this. And everything we do is going to be built on this. So the reason we started with spiritual formation is because it's going to inform why physical formation and health matters. Why do we start with spiritual formation? Because when we get together and we worship, it's got to come from a place of truth. It's got to come from a place of belief. It's got to come from a place that is a pure heart going, God, I want you and nothing else. So as we sing this tonight, I think some of you 
need to do a little bit of work with God specifically because you've been listening and believing things that other people have said about you for a long time. And so as we sing this song about what we believe, some of you just need to listen to the words and start putting this song into your playlist on a regular basis. Some of you need to come do some work with God and pray with him or pray with one of us and just try to start shaking out the tree of these things that have been laying over you for a long time. From a relationship where some things were said that you've been really hard to shake it off. And you keep finding yourself back in this little pit. There's a lot of smoke going on here. But you're finding yourself in a place where you can't get up over it because of lies that were told to you. Some of you need to remember what God says about you. And you need to ask God for forgiveness on those pieces and go, I have been literally putting my trust. I have let all this good truth fall in the wrong kind of soil. And some of you, I don't even know what it is, but I think God's got something for you tonight. And I would bet if you take a few minutes tonight as we sing this and sing these couple songs, I say, God, what is the thing? How do I become good soil? I would bet he'll point out a thing or two in your heart and in your life that's potentially keeping those seeds from landing in the right spot. Can we do that tonight? I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to continue to worship. Father, there's something about a group of young people who look at each other eyeball to eyeball and say, this I believe, and say that I want to believe, I want to lean into this truth and be transformed by the way of Jesus. And God, we can all like different things. We can all do different things. And God, I don't have any pretense that we're all going to be best friends. But I am convinced and confident that you can move in the lives of surrendered people who align their beliefs with what the church is aligned with for 2,000 years, that Jesus died and he was raised from the dead and he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us today. And I pray for those of us, God, who have been shackled by the beliefs of others that were thrown on us, that are unfair, that tonight you'll unshackle those things from us. And I pray specifically for the, for the person in the room, God, who has constantly walked into this faith conversation very hesitantly because it had been passed down and almost pushed into their lives from family. I pray tonight that they will make it their own and say, this is what I believe. Not what they believed, not what I was told. This I believe. Let's worship together.